welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. said that every great vision is a multi-generational thing and that great things are accomplished often not just in one lifetime but beyond it and we've got a classic case in point to look at this morning if you have a bible turn to first chronicles chapter 29 and we'll just give you a bit of background from chapter 28 but in first chronicles 29 we'll read there about King David and we're talking about vision and vision builders no we're not talking about in him it was great but we've finished that series so you have to get the podcast so you can shoot that screen down in flames um so our you know vision builders is all about building towards the fulfillment of God's vision that he's given us as a local church and, um, and that's what we're talking about. And I want to read, well, just before I read from here, let, let's just recap the fact that, you know, you read this in, in chapter 28 of the, of the book of First Chronicles, King David, you know, is ruling and uh, he's in Jerusalem. They've got a settled, stable place there. And he gets a God-given vision to build a temple for the Lord and not just to use the tent that Moses had, you know, some 500 years earlier, Moses and company put together this portable worship place, a tent of meetings, tabernacle, had the Ark of the Covenant, all the different furniture, and they'd travelled around the place and it moved all over the Middle East. And by this point, some 500 years later, the uh, Ark was in Jerusalem, but the furniture and the tent was somewhere else and so David has this calling from God to bring them together and have this more stable place for them and build a permanent temple and yet God also says to David you can't actually build the temple because you've been a man of war I need a man of peace to build the temple for for me but you can make preparations and so the last thing that David's called to do Uh, He charges his son Solomon, who's becoming king, and David actually allows him to become king before David dies. And he says, you're going to build the temple, and here's the plans, and I'm going to give you provisions as well. And so this is the last kind of deal for David to really obey God in the last big calling of his life, and that's to provide the finances and the resources. Because... Here's the deal, just be reminded, God always invites people to be involved in his plans. And that's something that we take for granted, but worth considering and and appreciating. God could easily just snap his fingers and say, there's a temple, back off, don't touch it, don't be involved in building it, I want it done perfectly, so I've got, you know, it done just my way. Or with uh, New Testament ministry, in the church and out into the community, he could say, don't, hey, you guys will mess it up. Don't go trying to tell people about Jesus. I know you'll go off on a tangent or you'll get into a debate that becomes an argument or you'll, 
lose your temper. I'm going to send angels with perfect, clear articulation of the gospel. But he doesn't, does he? He he always involves people. And the same when he comes to produce a building for his glory, he says, I want you to be involved, which is pretty cool. And it's the same in the New Testament with the church, not just physical buildings, but ministry, communicating, prophecy, prayer, understanding what God's saying in the word and sharing with each other. And so he loves people, loves to involve people with his plans. And so he partners with us in ministry, which is very cool. And so that's what he's doing back there. And so uh, we read First Chronicles 29. Let's read the first 20 verses. You up for that? Don't sound too excited. I could make you stand up like some traditional churches and read the thing, read the scriptures, and then I could just speak off the cuff for another hour, and you're standing up feeling awkward, like, when do we get to sit down? All right, we won't do that. Um, but I've been there, done that. Uh, so, First Chronicles 21, verse 1. King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. He was about 20 at the time, so... Fair call. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals, it is for the Lord God himself. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now... Because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. Did did you notice he actually said that that he's he's already got enough? Did you see that? Verse 2. We've got enough. But he says, but I'm going to give more. So he says, I'm going to give all that I've got. Uh, This is in addition to the building materials that I've already collected for this holy temple. I'm donating more than, and I'm reading the NLT, right? So they've done the modern translation of weights into American tons. 112 tons of gold from Afir, which is a a place that was full of gold mines in modern day Yemen. So I don't know how much luck you're getting gold out of there at the moment. Uh, 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the buildings and all, and for the other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen. Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army and the king's administrative officers all gave willingly. For the construction of the temple of God, they gave about 188 tonnes of gold. Just consider that for a second. Talking tonnes of gold. 12,000 gold coins, sorry, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tonnes of silver, 675 tonnes of bronze, 3,750 tonnes of iron. They also contributed numerous precious stones which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of Jehiel, a descendant of Gershon. The people rejoiced over the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord and King David was filled with joy. So David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. And he sings, as is his wont, and prays and writes a poem, a poetic kind of thing. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, 
is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. This is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honour come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Who am I? Who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have comes from you anyway, and we give you only what you first gave us. We are here for a moment, visitors and strangers in the land of our ancestors, as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. And that's reiterated in the Psalms when you read what David had written in the Psalms. Oh Lord, oh God, even this material we've gathered to build a temple to honour your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you have examined our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives. I've watched your people offer these gifts willingly and joyously. So, Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never changes. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands, laws and decrees and to do everything necessary to build this temple for which I've made these preparations. David then said to the whole assembly, give praise to the Lord your God and the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors and they bowed low and knelt before the Lord and the king. Huh, come on, what an incredible passage. So when we look again at this passage more closely, we'll discover three reasons why they gave to God's work, to God's temple, to God's building, three aspects of their giving that apply to us as well and why we should do the same. The first one, why should we give? Why did they give? Because the Lord deserves the very best. Because when you read there in verse one, David says, The work ahead is enormous because this temple is not for mere mortals, but for the Lord himself. This is a big deal. He's talking about, and you can see when you read through that whole passage, he's not just like, oh, hey, listen, we're going to build a building where the architects just go through the logistics. It's like, we're praising the Lord. We're in awe of God. We're in honour of God. It's a heartfelt awareness of this is for the Lord, the King of Kings, God Almighty. And so that's the, the foundation for why they go about what they're doing. This is like, wow, God is amazing and we get to be involved in something that's for his honour, for his glory, to gain his attention, to get people to look and consider who God is, a place of meeting between God and man. Let's make it really good. <laughs> and uh, I mean, if it was just for mankind, they could have thrown, David had plenty of money, could have got something thrown up there and would have been just a fine, ordinary kind of building. Um, But like I was saying before about the palaces and the castles in Europe, you know, they talk about, oh, it's a palace fit for a king. Well, that's exactly the heart of David here. He's like, we're going to build a temple fit for the Lord Almighty. And look at verse two. He tells the people how he has made long-term preparations and save money and materials for this project. Again, because it's for the Lord, he's been preparing and that's the the treasury of the kingdom. It's like, well, I've got some really good preparation. And he actually says, I've got enough to do it. 
But he thinks, but let's just really go for it. I don't want to just cut any corners. You know, he doesn't want Kevin McLeod to rock up halfway through the building project and say, oh, I don't know if David's got the money. You know, the, is, that, is that his name? Kevin, you know, the Grand Designs guy? You know, and they're halfway through in the project and he's looking at the architect's plans and Kevin comes along. Well, I'm with King David. I've got a time machine. And, um, and I'm not sure. They wanted the gold columns, but I don't think, I think they'll have to settle for bronze. And, you know, and then they go down and so we're down at the, uh, the you know, the machinist's area. Here's the, what's the word he loves to use? That, um, bespoke. Bespoke. David's ordered a bespoke staircase. And I'm down at the craftsman's house where they build the bespoke staircase. I don't think I'd ever heard that word before I started watching Grand Designs and I've heard it a million times because Kev loves to just throw it out. Something very cool about bespoke, you know. And so they had a lot of bespoke things. The whole thing was bespoke. This is bespokeness at, at its best, you know. And, uh, and he could easily, you know, if they just didn't pour all the resources they had, uh, there could have been some very Kevin moments, you know, which they just loved because it's just about to go to an ad, you know. And, well, winter's coming and then we're in, you know, the Yorkshire Dales and the work just, I don't know. Bling, you know, goes off into an ad. And you think, oh, there's the drama. You know, none of that. I thought, no, let the cost blow out. We're going to have enough. We're going to do it. Fit for a king. We're going to do it for the Lord. And so David says, well, I've, got, I've, I've, I've kind of got enough, right? But then in verse 3 and verse 4, look, he outlines how he is going to go above and beyond with his own finances. He's just going to give generously himself because he wants them to know how passionate he is about the Lord and about this temple that represents God's connection with mankind. He wants them to know, look, my heart is devoted to God and that heart leads to being generous in building something that glorifies the Lord. And, and the fact is, you know, when you give someone a present, if you really love them, you just don't cut corners, do you? You don't buy just what's on sale, though that can be a really cool little thing. You know, if they've said they want something, it's like, oh, it's on sale, it's great. But, it, you know, if you, and Ruth makes it easy because she'll often drop hints and then makes it doubly easy. She forgets what she suggested she wanted. So it's really cool. I've given a presence where she goes, oh, wow, how did you know? And I'm like, are you serious? You kind of told me. But she's literally forgotten. So it's very cool. She goes, I'd really like this. And then she's not at all kind of materialistic. So it's very good. She goes, I'd love that. And then totally forgets about it. So then I go hunting and do the research and I go, yes, this is it. I go and she goes, oh, babe, that's incredible. How did you know? I'm like, okay, I don't know. You're forgetting that you forget to tell me. So I'm just going to go, oh, well, what can I say? You know? And she just thinks, you know, I'm amazing, but she just makes it easy. Um, but, you know, when you buy something for someone that you love, you don't just you know, re-gift something that still looks okay and, you know, hasn't been out of the box a few times and you package it or, or get something just whatever's readily available. You make an effort. You, you go the extra mile, you do the research, you invest your time, your energy and your money to really bless them generously. And, and of course, to bless God, what does God love more but people? God loves people. He wants to connect with people. So, 
anything that helps him connect with people blesses him. And here's a place that they're building for God to meet with people. Now, of course, you know, the New Testament church is different, but, but the pattern is the same. We give not just to a building, we give our lives, we give our service, we give our hearts. Like I said before, we're involved in ministry for God, with God, partnering with God to connect with people. So that blesses him when he sees his people loving people that are yet to be in his family, but he wants to adopt them in. And he's given us the charge, the great commission to go and preach the gospel and love and make disciples and connect. And, and then, of course, yes, there's also the aspect of financially giving along with that heart of giving. And we build facilities like this and other places and do physical work that facilitates the spiritual work. Yeah? So it's not the building. When we say the church, it's not just a place. It's the people. And yes, we want nice places to make that conducive to God connecting with people. And so this heart of devotion that David's got flows through... And notice in verse 5, he invites the others to give. And he says, my, my modern translation, verse 5. Have you got verse 5 up there? Uh, just go back to verse 5. It says, who then is willing today to give offerings? Is that what it says? This is, uh, I'm donating. Uh, who then will follow my example and give offerings? Well, okay, that's a, that's a, a, a modern generalization so that's fine but the more accurate and literal translation of what David actually said and your maybe more traditional translation may say this was more like who then is willing today to consecrate themselves or who is willing to consecrate his service to the Lord that's the phrase that he used it's the same phrase that was used when they consecrated priests for the ministry and so it's not just, oh, who's got some loose change? Can you go home, check under the lounge? You know, you've got any piggy banks you might want to spill out? He's like, this is for the Lord. This is a really big deal. Yes, we're talking about money, but it, it, it's just representative of this consecration to God. And that's what he's, he's at. That's the heart of the matter. And so he's saying, who's wanting to live a, a life consecrated or set apart for God? And in doing so, we'll bring something material to represent that consecration. That's the heart of it, isn't it? And so, uh, and this is echoed, this whole concept, when you read 2 Corinthians, Paul's talking about giving. And again, he's talking not just about paying the bills in the church. He says, you excel in so many ways, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse something. He says, you uh, excel in so many ways. See also that you excel in this ministry of giving in this grace of giving. So giving is a ministry. It's part of our calling. So there's the first reason. If you're going to give to God, you want to bless him and he is worthy of something special. Second reason that they gave and why we should give is because it's such a joy and a privilege to give to God. Because, yeah. you know, David's pretty wealthy. He's incredibly wealthy. And he's already told us in the early passage how he's going to give personally on top of what's already been saved up, which was already enough to do something anyway. So he could easily have said, look, I've got enough money. I'm just letting you guys know. I'm going to build a, build a building. It's going to be a temple. You can come and use it and you'll probably enjoy it. Uh -huh. But he knows that it's better for them to be connected, to be involved, 
to be participators in this project because there'll be more heart buy-in because where your treasure is there, your heart is also. And so he invites them because he knows this is good for you guys. I want to bless you. I want you to be part of the blessing of being connected. And notice when he invites them, it's an invitation. He could have taxed them. He could have said, everyone, got an announcement. We need more money. I want a really smick building. I don't want Kevin to come along and say, oh, I don't think they're going to be able to. So I, I, I want a really good So you're all going to give because I'm imposing a tax. And you read history, you find there's some pretty full-on autocratic rulers who over the years have just imposed taxes on the people, you know, because they want a palace or something for themselves. He could easily have done that. Or he could have been a little softer hearted and said, look, it's not a tax, uh, but I'll give you some incentive. You know, everyone who gives a certain amount, you get some royal blessing. You get a platinum King David card you can flash around at the shops or some thing that, you know, is a... No, he just says, okay, if you want to give, you can. And if you want to consecrate yourself in this act of giving, you're invited to. And look how they respond. Verse 6, they all gave willingly. Their hearts are like, yes, this is awesome. And then that flows into what they do with their hands. And then it lists how much. Now, I did some maths. The gold is listing just what David gave and what they gave. This is beyond, we don't know the actual, they don't write down how much he had saved up before. Right? He just said, I've got enough to build a building. But beyond that, it lists how much he gave and how much the people gave. Just the gold adds up to 207 270 metric tonnes of gold, which today is worth about $17 billion Australian. That's a fair building. Historians say that this was probably the most expensive building ever constructed in history. And, and you can Google some others and you'll see some amazing buildings even being put up today. There seems to be a competition all throughout the Middle East as to who can do the tallest tower. You know, and it's like the Koreans will go, well, we're 107 metres. And then over there in Dubai, it's like, we're 108 metres. Well, we've built this thing to stop it blowing over because it probably will if we get to 110, but we're going for it anyway and we've got to spend billions of dollars. They're all, you know, this is how I've got an underground this and that and a you know, swimming pool in the sky and all. They're all going for it. They reckon this may have been the most expensive ever. It's incredible. And look at verse 9. The people rejoiced over the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And King David was filled with joy because they realised, hey, this is not a duty, it's not an obligation. This is a privilege to be part of this incredible project. They were pumped. They wanted in. They didn't want to miss out on what God was doing because they realised, hey, this is a blessing for us to get involved. And this is the same when we get involved in God's work. We're not helping God out because he's struggling financially. You know, when you pray, you go into the prayer room and you're praying and you really get into the presence of God and you get to that zone where you're starting to hear from God. What's God say? He doesn't say, oh, so I'm so glad you're praying. Thank you. Can I hit you up for a loan? It's really tight at the moment. I'm struggling. Like I've got all these people need so many blessings. It's really expensive running this universe. Can you, 
like, can you maybe, can you talk to the bank? Can you talk to your husband? Like, you know, like, you know, can you get Caleb to get a, you know, a promotion at work? Or, you know, Josh, can you get another couple of shifts and hit Andy, your mate up with, you know, and, and, and Matt and say, maybe, you know, Matt could sell that guitar because I really, God's, hello, you know, God's, he doesn't need our money. He's okay. But he wants us to be blessed by being involved in what he's doing. Yeah. And so it's exciting when we give or stretch or make a sacrifice for the right cause. You may have heard of Napoleon Hill, famous American motivation author. He once said this, great achievement is born of great sacrifice and is never the result of selfishness. And so that's what these guys were leaning into. Yeah, sure, there's a sacrifice, but it's pretty awesome. Third reason that they gave and we should and can is because all that we have comes from God anyway. And they recognise that. It all belongs to him. You read through and David refers to that in verse 11. Can we see that again? Verse 12. Uh, what's it say in verse 11? Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. This is your kingdom. You are over all things. What's verse 12 say? Wealth and honour come from you alone. You rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. At your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Verse 14. Who am I, Lord? Who are my people? Mm, go back, verse 14. We could give anything to you. Everything we have has come from you. And verse 16. God, even this material we've gathered to build a temple to honour your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. So this is the issue of stewardship, isn't it? It's saying, look, this is just right that we honour God in this way. I can't remember the details, but Janelle told a funny story a while ago about the, they still do the Mother's Day, Father's Day thing where the kids go to school and you give them $2 or $5 to buy you a present. Right? And the teachers have kindly put together some you know, random gifts that the kids then... But this is the funny bit, because the kids then choose what to buy. <laughs> you know? And I can't remember the details, but I know Austin had, had some funny choice or so, did something. But I remember our kids doing the same thing. It was always like, it's Mother's Day, so I'm like, you know, giving them some money to try and make it the secret from Ruth to not know. And then Father's Day comes, you just have to turn a blind eye when they're saying, Mum, need some money. Dad, need some money, but I'm not supposed to ask you. Okay, well, and off they go and they, and they come home with a little mug or a, you know, you know, a purple candle or something for Dad. It's like, okay, maybe, you know, but whatever. But, and it's kind of a funny little interaction because you're giving them the money to buy you a present. But it's still cool, Right? It'd be pretty bad if the kids just took the money and didn't give you anything and said, yeah, I stopped at Macca's and got a frozen cake on the way home. You know, it'd be like, well, hang on a minute. Well, I'm giving it, you know. I mean, it's only the thought that counts, but you were thinking badly there. You were thinking for yourself, you know. Well, how do you want to live your life like that? Because some people are living their life like, thanks God, they got the money for the, the beer mug or whatever. Well, maybe they don't give them beer mug, you know, the, whatever, the, the cup holder or whatever is at school. And they just... Don't buy anything for dad, you know, and they've got, and so it's a similar kind of deal. And, and of course, you might think, well, hang on a minute, I've worked hard for my money. God hasn't given me anything. Oh, yeah? You read Deuteronomy? How about this? Deuteronomy 8.18. 
Remember the Lord your God, for it's He who gives you the power or the ability to get wealth. And in doing so, in order to confirm the covenant. So the breath I just drew, no big deal for me. It's all from God. Any abilities, any you know, great successes and achievements, God gave us the gifts, the abilities all in the first place. So we do well to honour Him and remember that. Yeah, And we do that when we give back to Him. And so, you know, the... Yeah, I love that passage, Deuteronomy 8.18. It's not in our screen, but you can read that later if you like. Um, Well, you read on, I'll come to a close, um, which is preacher's talk, of course, for some time in the next 45 minutes. When you read on, in the next few verses, you see Solomon gets the charge, he's crowned king, and he's going to go and build the temple. And then soon after that, David dies. It's the last big thing he did. And it says he died at a good age, full of days, riches and honour. Of course, David wasn't perfect. We know that. But still, it's a pretty good closing memorial line. You'll agree. Because he had a heart after God and the heart led him to live for God's purposes, serve God's people as their king, fight for God's ways against pagan enemies and give generously to God's house. And as he lay on his deathbed, I don't think he regretted giving all his wealth to this great project. And others around his age, around that era, they all died eventually. And those that were involved in this project, I don't think any of them lay on their deathbed thinking, oh, if only I had just, you know, poured my money and got the Lamborghini chariot with all the bells and whistles instead of driving that Toyota, practical, boring airbags, you know shield arrow protectors that pop up at a button or you know that I don't think there were any regrets about giving to the house of God yeah uh, and and you think of the achievements that you've been involved in in your life maybe in a team setting a work setting sporting setting you've given you've put it in you put the effort in you just, these guys up here you know Michael playing around this fancy you know, amazing ability and these guys, play. I don't think they ever think, oh, I wish I'd spent more time playing the Xbox, you know. Oh. It's like, no, we're so glad you put the hours in and practised. Or maybe you've won a great premiership, like, you know, Byron or some sporty people here and you think of all those freezing cold nights at training and uh, you don't ever think, oh, I wish I was just at home in bed. No, they're sweet memories because they led to holding the trophy, Woo, what a great achievement. Well, there's a great trophy, a greater trophy for each one of us to hold up when we're involved in sacrificing and giving to the house of God. Amen? And if you fast forward from when they were doing this 3,000 years to today, the principles are the same. And and of course, all of us have different, uh, you know, situations and finances but similarly, we're all involved to, to, be, to be part of that. And, and many of us have been. You think of the accomplishments, the working bees. Ten years ago, <laughs> we're cleaning this place out. So much work, so much. And yet, what a great accomplishment to create a place. And in recent times, the raise the roof giving. You know? And yet, look, we've got this anointed ambience and wonderful atmosphere that's conducive for God to meet with people. And we are part of that. And then we just keep moving forward along these same 
areas, yeah? The same opportunity, same invitation to bring the Lord offerings for his house that will honour him, to enjoy the privilege of being part of it like they were, and to be good stewards of the resources that he's given us. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.